Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, April 26th, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Sitka's Public Works Director has been reassigned to a position as Municipal Engineer. Michael Harmon has been serving as Public Works Director for 14 years. Municipal Administrator John Leach told Sitka Assembly members on Tuesday that relieving Harmon was intended to shore up staffing in capital projects following the retirement of the current project manager this Friday. Leach praised Harmon's contributions to the department during his long tenure. Michael's an extremely valued and respected engineer and a loyal and hardworking member of our team. His skills will be critical to ensuring our capital project portfolio valued over $150 million stays on track and our projects are seen through to completion. With current and upcoming vacancies, our capital program was at risk of becoming more of an ancillary thought rather than a primary mission within the department. There's simply too much at risk for our capital projects to not be the primary focus of a highly qualified engineer and project manager, which is why Mr. Harmon and I mutually agreed on this path being the most beneficial to the city. The change will become effective on May 1st. Harmon will be the only engineer working on capital projects for the time being. Leach named Ron Vincent as interim public works director during the search for a permanent replacement for Harmon. In other business Tuesday night, the Sitka Assembly appointed nine residents to the Tourism Task Force. The appointments took some time as the Tourism Task Force is one of the few municipal commissions to have more applicants than seats. The successful applicants were Camille Ferguson in the tribal seat, Scott Wagner in the harbor seat, Barb Bingham in the sustainability commission seat, Jeremy Plank in the tour attraction seat, Chris McGraw in the cruise terminal seat, Cambria Holmes in the general business seat, Jim Michener in the downtown business seat, and Phyllis Hackett and Rich McClear in the public at large seats. The first meeting of the task force will be a joint work session with the Assembly this Thursday at 6 p.m. And lastly, the Assembly adopted on second reading a change to the way Sitka's municipal elections will be conducted. Early voting will now be available 15 days prior to Election Day, and those ballots will be counted on Election Night the first Tuesday in October. Under prior rules, residents who cast early ballots were actually casting in-person absentee ballots, which were counted on the Friday following Election Day, along with mail-in absentee ballots. A Sitka woman has been sentenced to seven years in prison for manslaughter. 37-year-old Triska C. has been awaiting trial for the last three years, and this winter agreed to a plea deal for her involvement in a 2019 car accident at the Sitka Ferry Terminal that claimed one man's life. Her sentencing was held on Monday in Juneau. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. In February of 2020, Triska C. was indicted on murder and manslaughter charges following a drunk driving accident at the Sitka Ferry Terminal three months earlier. 59-year-old Thomas Fuller died in the accident. He was unable to escape from the vehicle after it plunged down an embankment and into the water in Stargavin Bay. C. was allegedly in the driver's seat, but initially there was some uncertainty around the circumstances that led to the car ending up in the water, and conflicting information from statements. COVID also slowed the legal proceedings with multiple hearings rescheduled in 2021, and a witness who was also in the vehicle when it crashed passed away before the case could go to trial. 
In December of last year, prosecution dismissed the murder and assault charges against C, and she pleaded guilty to manslaughter, DUI, and possession. She agreed to a 14-year sentence with seven years suspended, seven to serve, and probation. State prosecutor Amy Finsky felt the terms of the plea deal were fair. There were contradictory statements, essentially, as to what, whether this was simply Miss C got out of the vehicle to smoke marijuana again. She's operating a vehicle while extremely intoxicated. Should not have been doing that. None of them should have been out at the ferry terminal. And whether she simply forgot to put the car in park or whether it was something more nefarious, the weight of the evidence is that this is more of a manslaughter situation than a murder situation. And I I think that this resolution is absolutely appropriate. Two of Thomas Fuller's family members spoke at the hearing. His sister Bridget Fuller described him as the baby of the family, a commercial fisherman with a fun-loving disposition. His daughter Carly described him as her best friend and said she felt robbed of a future with him. I'll never be able to ask him you know, questions. I'll never be able to ask him for his advice to him. He'll never be able to when walk me down the aisle. No amount of time, you know, replaces my dad. So it doesn't matter what kind of sentence, you know, you give her. It doesn't matter. It, it, it can't replace it. The, the life that I, you know, and the, you know, the loved one that we have lost. C attended the sentencing hearing remotely from Highland Mountain Correctional Center. After the Fullers spoke, she read a short statement apologizing to the victims and their families. I would like to sincerely apologize to Tom Fuller and Tracy Green for the unfortunate, unexpected incident. I'm taking full responsibility and accountability and accountability to the best of my knowledge. I would also like to apologize to the family of my victims. I'm standing here today asking for your forgiveness. Judge Trevor Stevens lamented what he called a horrible situation and said that regardless of whether C had been charged with murder or manslaughter, no amount of time served would be commensurate with the loss of Thomas Fuller's life. You know, I mentioned that the family is going to have lifelong consequences because of the loss of their loved one, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that Mr. Fuller is not going to be far from your mind the rest of your life, too. And uh, it sounds like he was a friend of yours, and you'll have the opportunity, hopefully, for the next several decades to show him and to show your family and the community that um, you've learned from this. Judge Stevens also recommended C participate in a substance abuse treatment program while serving out the remainder of her sentence. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Alaska Native language experts shared their personal stories at the state capitol on Friday. They were there to give an update on the Alaska Native Language Preservation and Advisory Council. As KNBA's Rhonda McBride reports, they also hope to inspire those at the highest level of government to support indigenous languages. Dr. Walkie Charles told a gathering of lawmakers and their staffers that at the age of 12, he was taken away from his home in Amonic and sent to a boarding school. He said his mother only spoke the Yupik language, or Yukton, and didn't understand what happened to him. My mother just recently, she died nine years ago, finally told me that every time she heard a plane approaching to our village, that once a week, 
She was hoping I would be in that plane returning home, but I never did. Charles said he was also ripped away from his heart language and didn't reconnect to it until he was in college. Two years ago, Charles became the first Native director of the Alaska Native Language Center at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Yayuk Bernadette Alvana Stimfel, an Inupiaq language leader, recalled what she felt as a child. I could remember being a non-English speaker at five years old, making us to sing this song, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. In my five-year-old Inupiaq mind, I am not a teapot. <laughs> so Alaska for a long time had been on a path of decided elimination of indigenous languages. Right? There, there was intention, there was purpose, there was a, a well-orchestrated attack on our peoples. Hune Lance Twitchell told the group that there are 23 Alaska Native languages, and a few of those are no longer spoken. We don't like the word extinct. We prefer dormant because we've seen languages come back. Hune says with only 30 fluent speakers of Tlingit, it hasn't been easy to rescue his language, but it is possible. Imagine if you could, if the English language went three generations without creating a single new speaker. Then imagine if you could watching a child sit down at a table full of elders who could then speak to that child and that child understands them. Hune says those elders had lived through a 70 year gap without hearing any new speakers of their language. We didn't tell her to. Uh, she just went and sat with the, the elders. And they were laughing and they were, I could just see the sparkle in their eyes to see a child who can understand them. In his work as head of the Native Language Program at the University of Alaska Southeast, Hune has helped to create a new generation of Flinket speakers. He says those who work at the state capitol also have an important part to play. Everybody who works in this building for the people that when you walk through those doors every day, maybe you could just give yourself an affirmation. And that affirmation is this. No language dies on my watch. No language dies on my watch. And the legislature definitely bears some responsibility in this because back in 2012, it created the Language Preservation Council that Hune now chairs. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good morning. It's coming up on one minute after 8 a.m.